Hello everyone and welcome back to Slapcast. This is episode 36 of our coverage of the 2019-20 season. I'm Gage, your host as usual, and it's not very often I get to come on and be a glib bastard, but I'm going to do exactly that now and say that North London is white. Um, and then I'm going to introduce <laughs> my co-hosts, uh, who include Reese. Hello, Reese. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> and it also includes Ethan. Hello, Ethan. Hey, Gage. And Josh, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling lovely because Spurs have put together two wins in a row for the first time since Moby was a minnow, um, which I'm sure we'll get into at a later time. But, uh, gentlemen, how's your week? How we? How are we feeling? How's everybody's? Uh, how's everybody's life going? That's all good. Right. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Good talk. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, Do we I don't need know. more cheese commentary? Is that no, what we're no, looking we for in nah, the first we 10 minutes? We don't necessarily need cheese talk, but... Um, we could go to, like, breakfast meats. What? What? Why? No. Because why... Okay, what meat is specific to breakfast, though? Breakfast okay, sausage. but, like, breakfast sausage. Bacon isn't, but it's... That's where bacon belongs. Why, why is this happening? I, I <laughs> see. Because yeah. I saw it two times ago, we talked about yeah. cheese for absolutely no reason. And the title of this I episode started... is going to be Breakfast Meats. I, I, <laughs> I usually pull it from this section anyway, but it's definitely going to be Breakfast Meats now because it sounds sexual. Um, see, no, I started thinking about food and then i started thinking about chorizo and then that got me on the breakfast meats why okay why is your logical train of thought to go food and then chorizo that's the <laughs> okay food can go anywhere it's it, chorizo is a food is it not uh, yeah but why is that your first yeah connection? that would not be my first food to choose maybe i was in the mood for something meaty yet spicy i mean i got something like that for you <laughs> no um like i said moving on uh, <laughs> we we are gonna cover mostly match week 35 today we're recording this on wednesday night in the middle of match week 36 so we may touch on a couple of the results from there but of course uh there's only gonna be one place to start we'll go ahead and get it out of the way for reese um and oh, okay no come on i wouldn't i wouldn't compile your misery well it's coming but <laughs> good for all of us. the yeah everyone except me really um but the north london derby to my pleasant surprise and reese's uh chagrin was won by spurs uh the first north london derby at the tottenham hotspur stadium um to be honest, though, when this game started and Lacazette scores a belter in the 13th minute, I was sort of thinking it was going to be a long afternoon. Um, yeah, because I was fully prepared to come into this game ready to uh, get a pounding. So, Reese, what do you think? Um, I don't know. What is your general synopsis of this game? Like, what, what do you think went wrong for Arsenal? And do you think there was things that went right for Spurs? Or do you think it was just sort of Arsenal being poor? Uh, I think it's definitely a mix of both. I say I, I would say that I, I find a loss very harsh to take. Like I would have been fine with a draw because I think definitely y'all had a lot of the second half. But I thought there was parts of the second half and pretty much the entire first half where we were dominant. But mm-hmm. there was just those lapses in concentration in the back line. It's it's the like it, it's just the same issue we've always had because pretty well. 
the I mean y'all's first goal was completely against the run of play, and it was completely due to just a defense, like a single defensive error. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to remember. Oh, the corner. Yeah, I mean that one was a weird one. I'm a little more okay with conceding that one because uh, I don't know. It was just a, it was a good header for one, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure why Tierney, who was marking uh, Toby, considering the height difference yeah. there. But uh, we've always been kind of bad at corners, especially this season. I think we have conceded the most set pieces out of any other team this season. Uh, yeah, uh, I we- think that's right. I don't think it's an excuse. It's just something we need to work on for sure. But um, yeah, I, I definitely, we had talked about how the game was going to be decided in the midfield and it ended up being decided by random defensive errors. But I definitely <laughs> thought uh, like the the midfield definitely played a part because the first half I thought we were completely dominant in that area specifically. We started a little shaky. I think it was just nerves. But Xhaka and Ceballos got in a rhythm, and then it was just completely... Like, we pretty much had all the possession. Um, and then I definitely think when y'all's bright spots came was when our midfield started to look shaky. And I definitely thought... Uh, I don't know. when. So I like Joe Willick as a player, but I definitely think when we made some of the changes um, player-wise, personnel-wise, it, like... I don't know. I, y'all definitely were able to. I think it was also momentum from from y'all's first goal. Y'all were able to. Um, what am I trying to say? Switch, switch the rhythm up, I guess, and uh, take control of the midfield. But um, it wasn't as prevalent as I thought it was going to be because both teams kind of just bypassed the midfield at times by relying on long balls. I think that was partially by design for Mourinho too, though, because we were set up in this sort of four four two system that we haven't seen really. Um, this season, and it, ended up, it worked pretty well, actually, I thought, for for the context of the game. Um, yeah. And it ended up being Winks and Lo in the central partnership, which was interesting, actually. I didn't mind it. Um, I've gotten on Harry Winks' back a lot recently, but whenever he's partnered with someone like Lo who's a more progressive passer, I thought it was um, a better combination. Obviously, like you say, for a large portion of the game, um, Xhaka and Ceballos were the more dominant of the two uh, pairings, but yeah, at times Spurs relied a lot on those sort of wide, deeper midfielders, which in this game was uh, Sissoko and Lucas, to sort of bypass that area, which happened quite a few times, actually. There was one, uh, notably, that I remember, that Lucas threw ball, the along-the-ground through ball that came through to Kane that he really should have scored. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was the one in particular that I remember uh, standing out as a kind of exemplary... Well, exemplary example is a bit redundant, but <laughs> it was exemplary of what I'm talking about. Um but, yeah, I, I agree with you, by the way, in the fact that I think a loss is probably harsh for Arsenal. It was a very even game uh, because there were purple patches for both sides. Neither side uh-huh. were great on the day, uh, for sure. Yeah. And um, I definitely, I was very disappointed, for obvious reasons, but with uh, the performances from Kolasinac and Mustafi. Because I've been, I've been praising them these past weeks because they really have been putting in some good performances. And... Uh, I was even praising them in that game, and then they just completely fell apart out of nowhere. And I think uh, we might talk about it a little later, but right, rightfully so, both of them were dropped for the Liverpool game today. Yeah. Um, and we, we even changed systems to accommodate it a little bit. 
because yeah, they it was just poor from them. But in terms of y'all's defense, I thought y'all y'all's defense had a really good day, and uh, it, there was a few chances I I would have expected us to put away. There was the Abamyang one that went off the crossbar. There's another yeah. one from Abamyang where he just missed it, I think. But it was I would have like on both of those occasions I would have bet my house that he was going to score, but. Bill's defense had a very good game. I thought uh, Lucas Mora had a really good game as well. Yeah, surprisingly, because so, I was complaining about the fact that he started over over Bergwijn, as I usually yeah. do whenever that happens. Um, but I, I didn't mind it today. Uh, or not today, sorry, yeah. uh, on Sunday. I said before that I think y'all can afford to have Bergwijn on the bench if y'all take the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that happened today, even. Against yeah, Newcastle, which, yeah. You know, y'all ended up doing it, so it worked out. Yeah. Because uh, as soon as y'all took the lead, that's when that's when he came on. Yeah. And so I definitely see what's going on. But uh, yeah, I was I was pr- luckily this game was like only pride. Yeah. Because in terms <laughs> of our season, our season is pretty much over. So I I wasn't that upset for too long because it was like, man, I'm bummed we lost, and then it's like, okay, well, this game didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is a bit were like you, that. Reese, were you disappointed not to see Sokka not start? Uh, I wasn't too disappointed, to be honest. Um, he's definitely still young. And yeah. uh, I'm trying to think, what was our game before that? It was uh, the um, it was us. It was the Leicester draw. Yeah, I mean, he he scored in that game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, his goal in that game was great, but I definitely didn't think... I, overall, he didn't really have a very good performance in that game. So I wasn't too surprised about him being left out in the starting 11. But well, also, his, his kind of that's one of the games that you need a, a really sort of developed mentality for as well. Because I think you saw yeah. even when he came on and got frustrated and threw the ball down and got yeah, a, a senseless yellow. Um, so it's, it's just kind of one of those things, I think, that yeah, it'll come whenever he gets older and gets more experience. Yeah. So, right. Ben, well, or I was going to talk, Reese was talking about Aubameyang's missed opportunities, but also Ben Davies' strike <laughs> from out of nowhere. I, I, I don't think I've insane. ever seen him shoot from outside the box either. Like, really? I think that was the first time I've ever seen him shoot from outside the box. And it was, uh, he needs to start doing it more often if that's what he's going to produce. <laughs> um, but yeah, I so yeah. wish that would have gone in. Save of the season contender for Martinez. Well, he had another one today that was just stupid. Yeah. Was it the one in like the 96th minute? Yeah, it's the literally last play of the game. And that was insane. Like, he, he has had a great run of form since Leno has been injured. Yeah. Do I've been that... saying, bro, I've been saying for like th- three or four seasons now, because I was saying it back when Ospina was our backup, that yeah. I wanted Martinez over Ospina, because I just I thought he was really good from when I'd seen him. But Do you think he might? end up moving at some point in the next two transfer windows, whether it's the adjusted summer window or in the win- whatever the winter window ends up looking like. Do you think he'll maybe move to a club where he can get some more first-team time, depending on how Leno's injury pans out? Uh, I don't really think he will, because from what he's said in interviews, he's never talked about wanting to be like a starter. Because yeah. I, I really do think, as far as Arsenal goes, I think he really does find arsenal to be his home you know he's been there for 10 years now so i think he would he'd be pretty bummed to move on but he has said i think he said at the beginning of this season that 
he was like, no more loans. I want to be playing for Arsenal, which I don't, I don't know if being a backup is okay for him. It's yeah. working out right now, but he's getting playing time. So I guess we'll see. it's really up to him because I don't, the club's not going to want to have him leave. Yeah, because he's a super solid backup. It's just like he's kind of getting up there. He's going to be 28 in September. He's kind of getting into the prime of his career, especially for a goalie. It's a, His prime is coming up now. And like the great showings he's shown since he has been giving the starting role. It almost yeah. makes you wonder. I could see it in a season or two. I could see him moving on in a season okay. or two. Because uh, I, I could see us wanting to bring in – because he is, like you said, he's 28 now. So I could see yeah. us wanting to bring in a younger goalkeeper to learn from Leno and develop from there because uh, Martin is, is almost 30. So. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to switch this to Gage for another player. Were you? How disappointed were you with Harry Kane's um, play? Not his – yeah, Harry Kane's play in the North London Derby. So – I'm not sure to be honest because like I I've thought about this a lot. He he just looks uh like not like he looks like he still hasn't really recovered from his injury. Mm-hmm. Like he's still getting back into the swing of things and obviously we saw today against Newcastle he scored two goals, two uh really well-taken goals as well. Um mm-hmm. So if he had struggled today against Newcastle as well, then I maybe would have started to be concerned, but Given the fact that I think this, we actually weren't we talking about on the podcast how we thought he could use a strike partner, like yeah, yeah, how, yeah, we were talking about um, or or him possibly even moving back to Cam and having like or a second striker up there with him. Yeah, and I think I think this four four two system which we ran again today, by the way, um, I think really suits him and Son as well because Son. Obviously, in in these two games, he scored and he had an assist in the Arsenal game. Granted, it was from a set piece, but um, yeah. So I, I think tactically, Mourinho is starting to realize that Kane as an isolated striker in a Mourinho system is not going to work, mm-hmm. which I think is also part of the why he's been pretty poor since the restart because he has been isolated up there. But he was really good against West Ham, um, so I, I I don't think. I don't know. I think once next once next season starts and he's had a full preseason to kind of recover and get back into full fitness and into the rhythm of things, then I think I'll give you my full value judgment on where he's at at this point in time. Yeah, because, um, I mean, he hasn't had a bad season. He's still sitting at 15 goals. Right, and it's like 26 for club and country, which is not bad at all yeah, in all I mean, competitions as well. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried about it, I don't, I don't think. Okay. I mean, obviously, he has uh, declined definitely since you know his heyday of sort of the 16, 17, 17, 18 era. Um, but yeah. it just kind of happens whenever you have a couple of big in- injuries back to back. And yeah, I- I'm not as scared to lose him anymore as I used to be. But I still, I, I definitely don't think there was a period where I thought maybe we should sell him on, but I definitely don't think so anymore. Unless it's an offer that we just you know, absolutely can't refuse. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So. Okay, Josh. <laughs> the time right, is now, because uh, the game that came after the North London Derby was this 4-1 decimation of Leicester by Bournemouth. So, uh, it was, fire away. Um, I don't even know. Like, 
I was pretty upset, but it's kind of just been how we've played. That this is what it's been like. Not this bad. This was a pretty bad game. Um, it's kind of what we've dealt with since coming back. We just have lacked it. I lacked everything. Um, like not not having Pereira and Chilwell and Madison kind of kills us. It's kind of three very important players that just we just struggled. It was. I don't know, our one goal, it was kind of cheeky and just not great. Uh-huh. I, I don't know, part of... I guess I'll talk about... <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. I think Schmeichel, he put something out on social media at like 3 in the morning after the game. And it was about him taking responsibility for the loss because he's the goalkeeper and he is the captain. So that was that was good to see. And hopefully he'll step up in leadership roles and hopefully get younger players more um, sensible. So I guess I'm moving to Swayunchu, who I understand that it's probably pretty frustrating for you both to be going in the ball and then um, Callum Wilson just ends up sliding into you and you going into the back, getting tangled in the back of the net. But him literally kicking him twice while he was down was completely outrageous and never should have happened. Um, I think the starting of Christian Fuchs is horrible. <laughs> I, I love him as a player, but not anymore. Like, I love what he did for the club in the 15-16 season, but he doesn't need to be starting anymore. I think the choice of James Justin as that third center back is ridiculous. I was going to ask that question, actually, yeah. I Once again, I love Mark Albrighton, but he's a sub. He's almost a sub now, and I think James Justin needs to be at that wing-back position, and I've been really impressed with Ryan Bennett, who... <clears throat> That's what the that's what our formation. I really like the three four one two, with the um, just with the three in the back. I think it suited us well, which I, we won't be able to play it in this next game. I think it would be stupid to without Soyuncu in the back. Um, I think I think we definitely need James Justin on the wing because he does put in a great cross and he can kind of, and he can drift into the channels not necessarily in the center but more in the channels where he can kind of play an intricate pass to one of the strikers mm-hmm. um and i i've been extremely impressed with ryan bennett i completely forgot he was even on the team this season i think yuri telemans and wilford indeedy make a good midfield partnership i don't I've been vocal about this. I'm, I don't like Iose Perez that much. He's just not – he he wastes possession a lot. He gives it away a lot. And I just – I don't think he needs to be starting. But there, I think Dennis Pratt should be starting ahead of him until we can get James Madison back into the starting 11. I also think the move to sub off Kelechi Nacho at halftime was horrible. Jamie Vardy needs that second striker. With the way we've been playing under Brendan Rodgers, he needs that second striker to help with that. Because we kind of played this almost tiki-taka style 
where it's the quick passing, quick dribbles, get around the defender, play it to the next man, get it off, just rapid fire to get it moving forward. And it just we he needs someone to support him. It that that system won't work with Jamie Vardy as a lone striker. I think I don't I just don't understand taking off um Ian Acho and putting on a midfielder and Dennis Pratt, who I think should have been on the pitch the entire game, <clears throat> aside from maybe getting subbed off later. But <clears throat> I just, I don't know, the goals that Bournemouth scored, it was just disappointing, and it was just back-to-back. And just coming from Dominic Solanke, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> goals. I know. <laughs> but... <clears throat> I don't know. It was just disappointing. And at a time, the most important time of our season, we bottle it. Chelsea dropped drop points. We didn't know it at the time, but, man, you end up dropping points. It's It was extremely disappointing, especially <clears throat> given the results that led up to the game, especially that Chelsea, Chelsea loss against Sheffield, where Sheffield just battered them. And then Chet. <clears throat> all the teams in the Champions Sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. All the teams in the Champions League spots keep dropping points. It's like I talked about how earlier in the season how it seems like no one wants Champions League. Yeah, it happened unless, last year. <clears throat> yeah, and Leicester were one of the teams that didn't seem like that this season. But now we're playing like it. Like right now we're a point behind or Four points behind Chelsea. <clears throat> Jeez. Hold on. And we're level on points with Manchester United, but we have the better goal difference for now. It's assuming we don't drop points in the present in the coming games. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you, by the way, um I forgot what it was. Oh, um, would you rather Perez not start and have a central midfield trio that includes Dennis Pratt? Because I know just a minute ago you were talking about how you would have rather seen Dennis Pratt start. Um, I would. I'd be fine with Dennis Pratt playing in because playing in that cam role behind Vardy and Iannaccio, I think it suits Pratt a lot better. I think if we're gonna start. Um, Iose Perez, it needs to be on the wing in a 4-3-3 like we did earlier in the season. Okay. Because that's where he's performed. When he has had his decent games, I think that's where he's performed best. But, I don't know, it's just another horrible, horrible result in a time where we need... Where literally a point would have got us back in the third. I would have loved... For a, the full three points from Bournemouth, because those—that's a game that we need to be winning. Mm-hmm. I definitely thought y'all were going to run away with it when y'all got the first goal. I did too, but then that second half, we were just—we were missing that extra piece, which I think came off with Ianacho. I think once Ianacho came off, I think it was our creative play going forward went completely out the window and. I don't know. I'm I'm nervous looking at the teams around us and how good that they've played. Like Chelsea haven't looked as good the past two games. They looked really shaky against Norwich yesterday. They at times it looked like they weren't going to get the full three points out of that. 
Norwich had a surprisingly good game defensively. Um, Manchester United, they have looked unstoppable since the break, but somehow they found a way to draw against Southampton. And then Wolves also drew today, and it's... I don't know. We need to win tomorrow against Sheffield. That's going to be the most important game for our season, I think. I think that's going to be a matter of life or death at this point. With regards to Champions League, you mean? I, I think just... European. I think Europe in general. Really? I think if we lose to Sheffield, we're going to miss Europe. Well, the good news is you have a chance your destiny is in your own hands a little bit because your next three fixtures are all against teams that are in and around you so oh yeah it's all teams below us so we can beat manchester united we get three points that's another team that we kind of are still up against and we have a better goal difference than them for now but if we keep losing the way we are it's not gonna pan out well um even y'all y'all are only four points behind us granted we have a game in hand but it's still close. Sheffield, if they beat us, they're within two points of us. Right. And we play y'all on Sunday. And yeah, I think if we lose against Sheffield, that's our season. Well, I was going to, I mean, if you guys end up losing all three of these remaining games, then we'll catch no you way. probably. I mean, yeah, and it's obviously disappointing. And then I, I don't want to cry, cry about the, um, the Man City thing, but it did like kind of it's kind of put this realization that oh my god, we might not get Champions League or not even Champions League, just European football in general. Right, because there was that safety net before and now it's kind of And the fact that that's gone, I'm we're, I think we're going to get into it later in the podcast, but it's kind of ridiculous that their ban got upheld or overturned. got overturned yeah um i guess this is a good segue for it but so i did some research um on manchester city's transfer dealings since the 2014-15 season their profit there so they've made 416 million us dollars off of player sales in the last six seasons they have spent $1.1 billion on players. And in 2014, they had a $1.2 billion stadium renovation. Yeah. Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me, like, how they don't get any type of ban at all. No, it's insane. Like, it just it doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's screwing teams over that have done it the right way. Because if you look at... If you look at the teams that are have a chance to get screwed over by this, it's Leicester, United, Wolves, Tottenham, Sheffield. Leicester, we've come from the championship seven, six years, six, seven or six seasons ago. I can't know exactly. And we've grinded our way up to get where we are. Manchester United, they might be a super club, but they've done it the right way. They haven't gone out and bought these outlandish players um, besides Pogba, but even that was only a $90 million deal. And they earned it through <clears throat> success, like ridiculously lucrative yeah. success as well. 
War also, was he was like in their academy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Originally, yeah, yeah. But then originally, got... yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, he was already like it wasn't just like they went and got like he had ties to the club already. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah. yeah. And then Wolves, they have grinded out their success the past few seasons, but especially with their transfer business, it's been very smart and the way they've just recruited players using their the Portuguese connection. And even Tottenham, y'all, like, <coughs> excuse me, y'all have had your struggles the past year, but y'all grinded your way from the top. Y'all were a team that was in Europa League for most seasons, but last year challenged for the Champions League title. Sheffield came up from the bottom and used their kind of just completely different tactics to, sh- to, sh- to shock the Premier League and get to the point where they are where they're challenging for Europe. Like, the teams that have earned their success look like they have a big chance to get screwed over by this and by no fault of their own just by the fault of the court that said oh yeah a net profit from basically the dealings with the football club of about negative 1.7 billion it just doesn't make any sense no it doesn't and I think you know what I think I think there should be a serious rule that comes into this with FFP, like I think they need to introduce a rule that owners of the club cannot sponsor their own club. Like Sheikh Mansour oh, yeah. owns Etihad Airways. That's why Etihad is stamped over everything that exists in Man City. And that's how they get around this is they say, oh, well, we signed a 1.7, probably $1.7 billion sponsorship deal with Etihad Airways. It's like, no, you didn't. You like, you're all it's all under the same umbrella. Like you shouldn't be able to sponsor your own club. That's that's yeah. the rule that I think they should bring in. Yeah, it's yeah, like we have Emirates, but it's not like we're we're, we're owned by Stan Kroenke. Like right. there's no yeah. connection there. Yeah, and then even if you like we are sponsored by our owners, but we don't most of our profits come from the club. Right, yeah. It's not like we're bringing in the money that's brought from airline tickets that cost $30,000 fucking dollars. Like, it's just... Like, it's just kind of sad. And I thought about doing the same thing for PSG, especially with the Kylian Mbappe and Neymar deals, which are combined for nearly $400 million. Yeah, but it... I mean, it is the same. It's... It it's is, the Qatari and, conglomerate. I mean, and then we're going to see it with Newcastle, and it's just it's it's very sad to see. I mean, because it's just annoying. Especially, I think it definitely puts it in perspective now that my club is probably going to be detrimentally affected by it. Yeah, but it it's just it's very sad to kind of see the things that were just allowed. They like they saw it and were like, "Yeah, this makes sense. We're gonna let them do this." Well, or like, they saw a large duffel bag full of cash that was provided by the Emiratis and decided yeah. that it was they would let it slide. That's most likely what happened, if I had to guess. But Pep was trying to yeah. defend it, and he was referencing these other clubs, like like Man U and Liverpool and Arsenal, like some of these other clubs that I I don't know if he mentioned Tottenham, but y'all haven't been like big spenders usually yeah and we don't have a like we haven't won anything <laughs> like, he was referencing us and, like he mentioned arson wenger and he's like oh well 
these other managers spend lots of money. It's like there's literally no, no comparison. Arsene Wenger has never spent two hundred million in one season. Not, Not only that, Arsene Wenger has won things without having to spend ludicrous amounts. I mean, look, Liverpool literally won a title this season off the back of signing no players this summer. Yeah, they signed no one. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. Like what is it? Like eight hundred million in four seasons? Pep yeah. Has spent? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. absolutely no comparison. Guess how many seasons since fourteen fifteen they have had more player profits than how many times they've had positive profit margin from player sales? Zero. I'm gonna go with zero. One. It was the eighteen nineteen season by seven point or six point three million pounds. Who did they sell that let that? Uh... Um, I guess I Delph. Remember. I didn't. Um, I didn't go line by line. Yeah, fair enough. But... I mean, I did at some point. Mangala. <laughs> yeah, that was. I think it might have. No, but yeah, and then you had other seasons like the fourteen fifteen season, eighty five million dollars in, twenty five out. That was the same season they spent one billion dollars on a new state on renovations. Yeah. I... It, it it boggles my mind. It really does. But you know what it is? It's like this this new thing where all these billionaires from around the world are – it's like a safe haven for their money, right? Because mm-hmm. oil prices are fickle and like obviously you could invest in a multitude of things. But sport is one of those things that's pretty much always going to be there. Like there's always going to be a market for sport. People are always going to want to watch. Even in even in a time like this where these clubs are hemorrhaging money, like they're still bringing in some revenue. I mean, these TV deals are still pretty lucrative. Like even without gate receipts, they're still going to be bringing in money. Now, whether or not it's a net loss is a different question entirely, but they're still bringing in money. And so these clubs are always going to be worth something. And so it's the safe haven for these ultra rich, like tight, uh, like oh, what do you call them? Um, denizens like to come buy something that'll keep their fortune safe so i yeah i don't know it's just it's becoming this corrupt well it already is this corrupt disgusting vile agency of corporate greed but you know so that's the only season they they got more from transfers out was because they sold 10 different players. Not one of them was worth over $15 million in their transfer. Okay, yeah. And the worst, the season they spent the most was 17-18, $271 million. Pounds. Bernardo Silva, Ederson, Kyle Walker, Danilo, Benjamin Mandy, and Laporte, all in one season. Yeah, it's insanity. It's absolute and insanity. The cheapest one being Danilo for twenty six and a half million. And then next up from that probably was Kyle Walker at fifty. So here so Danilo was that. Ederson was thirty five. Bernardo Silva was forty three. Kyle Walker was forty five. Benjamin Mundy was forty nine point three. And Laporte was fifty seven million. Yeah, like just going by that season alone, I don't understand how like that went through their head being like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. (laughs) I'm telling you, dude, it's that that 
the money talks. This was also the same season that they bought Eric Garcia from Barcelona. There you go. He, wait, he's the guy that got injured injured against us, right? Yeah, yeah, the young center back, the guy who everyone's kind of like. I thought he was a. I thought he was a youth academy guy. He was. He's. They can list him as a youth academy because they bought him from the Balgrana Barcelona Academy. I'm not really surprised because the amount of like youth academy products they've had is uh, one. Foden, yeah. Yeah. Maybe Douglas Louise if you can hardly count that. But the other thing is they outsource half of their young talent to Girona anyway. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a mess. It's all just a mess. But unfortunately, they're here to stay. So, you know, I mean, yep. I, I don't think this, this literally makes like UEFA is now pointless. Anytime anyone decides that they're going to like adjudicate on this type of stuff, no one's going to take them seriously. Because the last two things that they've instated have gotten overturned. That being the Chelsea transfer ban and this. Like, so why is anyone and, taking them seriously? And, like, it's not even UEFA's fault. Like, they've been like, okay, you can't do this. Like, they gave Chelsea the ban, which is pretty huge, even though it only got, it got knocked down the one transfer window. But then when it happened again... They were like, okay, we're going to take this even more seriously now and give you a two-year ban from the most important competition in the world. Like, across any sport, it is the most important competition in the world. Maybe other than the World Cup, yeah. Okay, the most club important yeah, yeah. annual. You. Like, the Club World Cup doesn't mean shit. No, I know, but I'm talking about the actual World yeah. Cup in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm just, like... The cl- like, I don't, and and then the court of arbitration, who, like the biggest joke in the world. Yeah, who are these people? Can, like, we need to do an audit of this court and see who, like, who who's qualified to sit on this court. <laughs> Probably the same people who put a World Cup in Russia, the Middle East. Well, that was that was all done under um, Sepp Blatter, which is a whole other matter entirely, but. Which the FBI was involved in. So, anyway, I think on a, on a positive note, this shows how just how good Liverpool have been this year. Because, I mean, Man City are they're cheating, <laughs> and yeah. Liverpool without making any signings, uh, were still able to just completely dominate the season. So, I do think that is exciting in its own. But I, I also think that that is just going to entice City to spend even more. Yeah, like, the fact that they didn't even adjust it to be like, okay, transfer ban. They're like, nope, literally nothing at all. Now, I don't know if they could have been able to change the ban or if it was just their responsibility to be like, oh, this is okay, when it obviously isn't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's... I don't know. It is... It's it it just... is diabolical, certainly, yeah. So... Um, let's move from one miserable topic to another and return to Premier League action uh, while we still can. Not that we're running out of time, but... <laughs> um, and, uh, Ethan, unfortunately, we have to come to you again uh, for an unfortunate uh, <laughs> happening at Villa Park. Um, yeah. Just seems like I can't get a break around here, huh? Yeah, it really doesn't. Um 
So yeah. Palace did not come to play in this game. Well, actually, they did, but uh, VAR is a sham once again uh, and disallows this goal from Sacco on ridiculous pretenses. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Just get, uh, give us your thoughts on the game. Like, what, what did you think Palace could have done better, or um, what, what were you most disappointed by? Well, uh, I'll start off by saying I was definitely hoping I would see a performance like we had at Chelsea, but um, that's too much to ask for, apparently. But, um, yeah, we just, it seemed that after that uh, disallowed goal, we just kind of turned off and shut down, and, like, the defense started, like, scrambling and couldn't get really any attack going forward, going. Uh, the midfield, I think, was the worst part for us because we just couldn't seem to keep a hold of the ball in important times and areas. Um, you know, Villa, I got to give it to them. They took their chances and it worked for them. But I just, I, there's so much that we need to fix, uh, especially Luca, our captain. I think he needs a bit of a break on the bench because he just he can't seem to get it right. He's causing a lot of bad fouls and he's just kicking the ball into Rosie every time. So I think he needs a break. Um, it's one thing to hear it from you like each week, but actually seeing it. I hadn't like Gage and I were saying we hadn't realized like how bad he actually was this mm -hmm. season. Yeah, I think it. A lot of people are like confused because they they see that he scores like twelve penalties like every season, but that like that is literally the only thing he does. Is, he's just a good yeah. set taker. So, but we can't have that in the midfield. I mean, obviously it plays important parts, but I think anyone else can be a set piece taker. Like we've had Van Anholt. Uh, scoring penalties and free kicks and uh, taking corners. So, I mean, like, it's a squad-wide trait, so I think he should be improving, or we should put him on the bench. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it was definitely disappointing the way Palace reacted to the VAR decision, because y'all just never really recovered from it. But the decision was very diabolical. Like, I mean, that... It, it just killed y'all's momentum because y'all were it was pretty early on, but up until the call, y'all were pretty well dominating the game, and then uh, the goal was very much wrongfully disallowed. I they say it's for handball, but it's clearly on on the shoulder, which is not part of your arm per the rules. Yeah. So I yeah, like the response from the team wasn't good, but that was just such a bad call that mm -hmm. I can't really imagine how you would go about re like recovering from that because mentally it's got to play a part. No, I definitely do think it plays a part because like you said, we were dominating the first couple of minutes before the goal. And after that, you just see a big change in performance and, you know, it's just weird because I was really hoping we would get some points. Um, if we played like we did at Chelsea, I feel like we would have wrapped this game easily since Villa are doing not the best right now. I think that was their first win since January. I'm not entirely sure if that's I true. Think that's I think true. that's right. Yeah, also, uh, yeah, Villas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. did, yeah. They won in the in cup competitions, but not in the Premier League. Yeah. So. Dang. Yeah, it is definitely disappointing from a Palace perspective. Trezeguet coming up with the two goals, uh, and then Benteke obviously was sent off after the whistle for some... Um, I assume some choice words to the officials. I think he, I think he kicked someone a little bit. Oh, not too. Yeah. yeah. Like a it was Villa's first win since the 1st of January. Good. Yeah, right. 
Yeah. How do you feel about um, Benteke being out for the rest of the season because of that card? Because, I mean, this game he's a little absent, but in the few games prior to this, he'd actually looked decent. Yeah, um, it was weird because he has actually been playing an important role in our attack. Uh, he's been good with the hold-up play and uh, giving it to Zaha and Ayu when they're attacking on the sides. Uh, yeah, but he, the, the game against Villa and the game against Burnley, um, I don't think he really showed up, so... I don't think we're missing too much. Uh, we've had a lot of good games where IU was just starting up top and uh, Zaha and Townsend were playing on the win. So I, I don't think it'll be, it'll probably be as good as we had going forward with IU instead of Benteke. But um, yeah, I hope he missed, but just because he was looking better and he got the goal against Chelsea, and I think that definitely improved his confidence a little bit. But hopefully, he'll be ready for next season. Um. Definitely trying to get more competition in the lineup, and maybe he'll definitely score some more goals going forward. So at this stage in the season, are you kind of just looking forward to the end of the season and um, kind of getting getting some momentum on to next season, hopefully? Yeah, um, I would like to have some good performances uh, towards the end, but other than, like, I don't think we can finish that high. So I think it's good to just start looking towards next season. I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. that was uh I'm looking at the form table right now and that uh Palace is all red. That was lost number 5 in a row. Um yeah. only Norwich have worse form at the moment, so Yeah. Um and we've had we we did have a few uh games that were tough like uh Liverpool and Chelsea, but doesn't it take away from the fact that we played Burnley and Leicester and Villa? Well, the Leicester are good. Uh, this season, um, but Villa, right at a struggling time, though you could have hoped to get some results from them, probably. So, well, yeah, but Villa I mean, y'all are our only win since the restart. Yeah, <laughs> why don't you make it more miserable, Josh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, are you? This is. This, are you a little nervous for next season? About going down? Yes. Um, I think if we bring in some good talent, because I feel like we've got some budget now. Because yeah. I, I don't know if I mentioned it last podcast, but and I'm not entirely sure if this is true. This because this is all just Jorg and I hear on Twitter all the time. But uh, I think Juan Basaka, the transfer was installments, and I think we got the last installment paid. So. We That's should have awesome. the payment. So that kind of like clears up why we didn't sign too many big players yeah, right away. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense for United because I guess they didn't want to drop 50 million right away. Yes, um, because they do their transfer business like actual good people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but hopefully we'll be able to bring in some good talent. And I do think we have good talent in the squad already, but they just need. Uh, help so hopefully we can have the have a good window and i think we'll be all right because we do have some good players when they play their best yeah would you be uh ooh, sorry would you be looking for a new manager uh in the off season i personally would like to i think a lot of people would like to because obviously roy's got a lot of good experience and he's been in the game for so long but um i think it'd be good to bring in some new new blood and obviously i think roy's done a lot or he's done a lot better than what I thought he would with, with the amount of support he's given from the the board. But 
um, I think it's time to change it up because we've seen uh, him constantly. There's no, there's no real struggle to get into the first team or more like it's the same first team every week. So there's no real competition to be played about your starting spot. And obviously he doesn't make too many subs during the game. So I, I would like a new manager just to freshen things up, but we'll see. Bro, bring Pochettino back. <laughs> like I said, I, w- I would welcome it, but I don't think it's happening. Do you think, has he been like linked to anyone? Newcastle. Newcastle is the biggest one. Like they're saying, if if this tra- if this takeover happens, that he'll end up there. Um, do you know what though? I think United have made a huge mistake in backing Solskjaer for the long run because Pochettino just seems he literally seems ready made for for to be Man United manager. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. They've looked. Obviously, they've had, like, stretches of decent form before, and they've been very streaky since um, he's taken over. But I think that they, they've they looked, like, probably top two, maybe even the best team since the restart. I don't know how much of that is due to social yeah. media. I, I think, honestly, here's my honest opinion, right? I, I don't know where to even begin when looking at United from, like, a tactical sense. I think that they've just had... I mean, Pog goes back from injury now. I, they have Fernandez. I think that was good business. So I think in terms of, like, personnel, they just have a good team. Yeah. But as far as tactics go, I don't really know how much of a hand Solskjaer has had to play in their recent form. And listen, yeah. I, I hear you that Solskjaer has, has had a positive impact. He really has probably had a net positive impact at the club since he's came in and taken over for Mourinho. But... Um, Pochettino is one of the top three managers in the world, and I like I'll I'll continue to maintain that. I know he declined towards the end of his tenure at Spurs, but believe you me, wherever he ends up next, he will win something. And because what he does is he builds clubs up from the like and takes them farther than they could ever imagine. So for me, like Pochett- the Man United project just seems so fitting for Pochettino because for me he he'd have them winning Premier Leagues in two seasons. Do they need a team builder though, or do they need someone to come in, get their shit together real quick to get this team where? Because they, that team, could win a Premier League with how mm. good they play. I think there's I a few, I'm still not sold on the defense. No, I'm not. Yeah, I, that's what I was about to say. There's a few spots, especially in the defense, where they could improve, especially with, um, especially with Luke Shaw. And the center backs, I don't. I think that I don't think it's a team building project, though. That's true. I think well, that's let's a, say, uh, I think that's a very good two or three windows put together, which I think they might be starting now and might have to stick it out to four. So maybe in the twenty twenty one twenty two season, I think that Man United, if they string a couple of windows together, I think that they could be challenging for a title i don't have that much faith in solshar though that's the thing like yeah i I don't think solshar can effectively guide them to compete at the level of of city and liverpool but i think pochettino could and the thing is if you look at that team like on paper that's exactly what a pochettino team would look like too because rashford is willing to run his socks off martial is a skilled player you have someone like greenwood coming up who's a young player that they can develop 
Um, they'll they'll be looking to bring in a proper number nine at some point to be a replacement for Igalo. Uh, and then you have these midfield generals in in the you know sort of center of midfield like McTominay, like Bruno, who are willing to put in the shift. And then you have Pogba, who's you know on on his day one of the best in the world. And Pochettino also is one of the best at de- at building a defense because keep in mind there were a few seasons there where Spurs were the best defense in the league bar none. Like when, yeah. in Alderweireld and and Vertonghen's heyday with Walker and Rose on the on the wing or on the fullbacks, we were the best defense in the league for probably three seasons, and it wasn't close. Like so, I think it just seems like such a perfect match. Now I hope it doesn't happen because United would be beastly under Pochettino, I think. But um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got onto this huge tangent, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. I definitely understand that y'all's points. They make a lot of sense. I just think they waited too long, though, because there's absolutely well, yeah. no way they can sack them now because no. their form's just too good, you know? Yeah. I, I really think it should have just happened sooner because, yeah, like you said, he right now their form may be good, but I don't know how – I've used yeah, the term before. Because... I don't know how sustainable it is because eventually so they're going to catch on with what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I and I, I still just think they shouldn't have given... Like, wh- I don't understand why they jumped the gun and gave him the job after the PSG game. Like, I I still think they should have just waited till the end of the season and, like, seen that he was relatively tactically inept and then been like, right, okay, we're going to go for someone who knows football. Um, not that Solskjaer doesn't, but, like, for a club of Man United stature, you would th- like to go for someone who has a bit more pedigree than Solskjaer, who currently has getting relegated with Cardiff to his name in the Premier League. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we can have this debate for hours because only time will tell how Solskjaer will actually... How Solskjaer will actually fare. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. It's an interesting one, to be sure. So, touching on a few of the other results just quickly, we mentioned already uh, Chelsea receiving a battering from Sheffield United. City dishing out a battering on Brighton. Uh, which Ethan will enjoy, certainly. Uh, Watford picking up two penalties and a 2-1 win over Newcastle, and Mikhail Antonio scoring four uh, in a game that relegated Norwich uh, for West Ham in a 4-0 victory. And then we come on to... Oh, actually, and then Wolves picking up a a much-needed 3-0 win over Everton in their quest for European football as well. Then we come on to the Liverpool-Burnley game. Um which was a 1-1 draw, but the key incident in this game was a non-penalty decision in the 87th minute where Robertson was tackled by someone. Um, I can't remember who, unfortunately. But, yeah, have you guys seen this? Do you guys have thoughts on this? I haven't seen it. I have not either. Right. Uh, (laughs) We can just turn this into a horrible VAR segment. Well, we could do, but actually, I, I mean, like, the the thing with this, I'll just give my two cents on it since I already brought it up, but I think it was Gudmundsen that made the challenge, if I'm not mistaken. It's one of those where Gudmundsen is kind of sliding to get to the ball, and Robertson puts himself in the way of the challenge. Like, yeah. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I could see it going either way. My dad actually brought up the point that, like, if you 
if you interfere with the other player playing the ball, then it shouldn't be a penalty. Like, because if you put yourself in that circle, actually, I remember there was one a couple years ago in a Spurs Liverpool game where Lamella threw himself in front of Van Dyke, and Van Dyke sort of made the tack. Or well, he was trying to play the ball actually, and we ended up getting a penalty and we drew because of it. And it's sort of like that. It's like if you throw yourself into the path of a challenge, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't get a penalty for that. Um, I think if <clears throat> if it's a slide tackle, I think that if you go for a slide tackle early enough for a player to think, "Oh, I'm gonna throw myself into this challenge and get a penalty," then I think it could be a penalty. But if it's a standing challenge, I think that's when it kind of gets into the shady range it probably should be a penalty well it wasn't a tackle though that's the thing like it was one of those where the there was a loose ball and he kind of slid so he could get there first you know like it yeah. wasn't a it wasn't like robertson didn't have possession of the ball that's the other thing like robert they were running at each other like to compete for the loose ball so okay. i don't know it, it's an interesting talking point but um we'll move on quickly from that and yes var is uh Horrible, Horrible, as it was yeah. shown again today in the Arsenal game. Yeah, it ended up not mattering, but I mean, yeah, but it's still like it's a real, yeah, it's really annoying, especially since like they got the call right against y'all. Yeah. So what, what happened? happened sorry, I didn't. I wasn't able to watch this game. So um, well, first of all, we won. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically. There was, I think it was um, Trent. He had the exact same challenge that Enketia put in the other day that got him a red card oh, on okay. Maitland Niles, and they they didn't even look at it. He got nothing. I thought wow. they did look at it. If they looked at it, they looked at it for two seconds, and like like Enketia's, they looked at it for like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Slow mo, and you, I mean, it was a red, but you know, slow mo makes it look a lot worse than it is, which it was already bad. But it's like they don't even look. They looked at this one for literally two seconds. Yeah, it's just insane to me. So, uh, why don't we just go ahead and uh, visit this game as a whole, um, and talk about what happened and what you liked from this game? So, I know you mentioned the the system change. Yeah, uh, take so us what that. it was this time was a little bit what we were doing before we went to the straight up back five. Which it was a it was a back four uh, with Tierney, David Luiz, Holding, who had a great game, and Cedric. But it was still fluid in the sense that it was a front four of Saka, Pepe, Lacazette, and Reese Nelson. So Saka would drop back when we were defending. Saka would drop back and play as a left wing back, and it would become a back five with Tierney as a left center back, which he can play. So I think that works out well. Um, and yeah, so like Pepe was kind of a second striker, but really it, the way it developed was it was more of Saka on the, as a left wing back with Pepe as on the left wing. So yeah, I thought I thought that worked well. Um, Torreira featured in this game. I think this is his first start in a little while because he's been... Um, suffering from an ankle injury. I know he's been coming mm -hmm. on as a sub recently, but definitely uh, since I, the restart, I think it's his first start. Yeah. He's had, he had a good game. Uh, Jaka put in another good shift. 
uh Lacazette also I mean he just he's the graft master yeah <laughs> uh yeah, I thought we played well. I thought our defense really played well, but Liverpool pretty much just handed us this game because both of our goals came from defensive mistakes. I did right see both of the goals. It was yeah. it was the reverse of the the North London derby. Yeah, it was essentially the same thing because they just uh, Van Dijk passed it to Lacazette and got the assist, and Lacazette rounded <laughs> Allison. And then uh, the second one, it was another loose ball that Lacazette picked up again because he's just the man. <laughs> and uh, he was able to feed it into Reese Nelson, who got his first Premier League goal in this game. Um, yeah, very nice. But yeah, I mean, they they just handed us the game, but uh, I, I didn't think we did anything like particularly particularly innovative as far as the attack goes. We just kind of got lucky. But as far as defense goes, I was uh, very impressed, and I thought it was a good call good call from Arteta to drop those players that were making mistakes in the last game because. Uh, I know, like as a young manager, especially, it can be hard to kind of drop those players and um, assert yourself and uh, disrupt the hierarchy, I guess. But yeah, they Kalasnachi Mustafi uh, relegated to the bench in this game. So, so against Villa on Tuesday, what uh, what system would you like to see? Because that's that's kind of a free hit, really. Tactically, you would like to think. That yeah. he can kind of make experiment a little bit, and you guys will still get away with the result. I think I want us to do the back five, but I think we should have a personnel change. So I think it should be Tierney as the left center back, and Saka as the left wing back. So essentially, what we did today, but um, instead of it being a fluid back four that changes into a back five, have it be the reverse. I see. Yeah. Uh, so would you be? I just thought of this just now. Would you be opposed to just having Kalasinac and Tierney just swap round? So like, because Kalasinac offers a decent amount going forward. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, like, I, so could he play left wing back to some effect? Well, that's yeah, what he played at uh, Hertha Berlin when they bought him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's I played there numerous, numerous times for Arsenal as well. Yeah, he's played so. straight up left wing for us before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that actually. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, in both scenarios, that one and the one I suggested, though, I think it is like it. It would be a big call to not have Tierney playing as that left wing back because he's mm-hmm. just been so good and so consistent since he's come back into the team. Yeah, that is the downside. Uh, so I, I think it just depends, but I could see it working. Just having them swap around, I definitely don't want to see. I, I think it. I'd much rather have holding in the team than Mustafi. Um. I just think holding is way better, but, and I, I think it's good to see him like getting ga- game time. That wasn't a result of injuries. Cause I think he's starting to get uh, more fit and more uh, back to his former self since that, since that injury. So uh, do you guys have a proper left footed center back, like an actual center back that's left footed? Pablo Mari. Okay. But he's, but yeah, he's, he's, injured, he's yeah. Out. Yeah. Okay, I was just looking at Saliba to see if he, but no, he's right-footed. So yeah, I definitely think once Pablo Mari's fit, the partnership will most likely be him and Saliba, with maybe holding in the middle, if we're playing a back three. Right. Yeah. Okay. Saliba is younger than uh, you and Ethan, by the way. Just thought you should. Yeah, <laughs> he's eighteen right now, isn't he? No, he's nineteen. March oh, okay. uh, March twenty fourth, two thousand one is his birthday. So. Ha. Huh. 
Well, I mean, Josh Bukayo Saka is younger than all of us. Shut so. up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, lovely stuff. Unfortunately, we won't be able to talk about uh, Leicester and Palace's game because they are happening tomorrow. But uh, perhaps we'll touch on them in our next podcast. But we could do a quick preview. Um, Josh already kind of touched on the fact that he's a little bit scared of this Sheffield United game. Unfortunately, well, Josh, for a whole season. I, I think this is actually the game that the back three would be most suited for because it sort of matches up the system with Sheffield United. So yeah, but we don't get our center backs don't get forward enough. I know, but I'm saying like if you have a back three and wing backs, you can you'll have more bodies to crowd out so that to prevent the overloads on the wings for Sheffield United because that's their big thing is like yeah overloads. We're going to get killed. You say that, I mean... Our fullbacks get so far forward, though. True. I mean... And Brendan Rodgers has a stick up his ass and won't change any tactics. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't really have much hope for y'all in this game. No, I I don't either. And it's probably going to be the game we're going to win because I'm saying this. That's how (laughs) I felt about the Derby. That's literally how I felt about the Derby. Like... Every game I say that we'll win, like, I thought we were going to smash on the Derby. Yeah. And then I, I bet against us with my dad. My dad was like, Arsenal's going to beat Liverpool. I was like, there's literally no way. He's like, bet me. I was like, okay, I'll bet you $5 that we lose. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should do that more often. Yeah. Can you bet him $5 that we will loot? Yeah, Whatever that's what you want. That's what you want, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ethan, I need y'all to win tomorrow. Please <laughs> <laughs> don't give me a I need y'all to get all three points tomorrow. I don't know how much uh, bearing Ethan has on that. I'll, uh, I'll call Roy. Yeah, I'll call up Roy. I think well, Ethan just needs to fly there and just assert his dominance. Fill in at center back. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just throw it at center back and just have a full field shot and just have the Haya just fall on the ground. That'd be perfect. My indoor record doesn't uh, back me up, but I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, unfortunately, I've just seen this stat, which is really unfortunate for Palace. Um, of the Premier League here. meetings between Palace and United, Palace have won one. It was this season. It was this season? Yeah. yeah. So Palace are doing the double on United. So before this season, Palace had never beaten United in the Premier League. That's crazy. Hey, this season? This season counts? No, hey, but that, I was saying before this season. Like, Yeah. But Y'all are doing the double on United. We'll hope so. We'll hope so. But if Wolves can do it on City, y'all can do it on United. And if, uh, wait, what other double has happened this? Oh, if, no. Oh, West Ham. West Ham have done the double on Chelsea. That's what it oh, was. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, Who's done the double on us? How bad? What, when have we shit the bed? Uh, I have no idea. I don't keep I these don't things either. locked away in the back of my brain. Liverpool, Liverpool, did the, Liverpool did the double on you. <laughs> so did City. Um, <laughs> Yeah, did the double on Liverpool us. did the double on almost everyone. Not us. 
I there's now a club of six or there's now six teams that Liverpool haven't done the double over. But uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, I think unless anybody has any final thoughts, that's not a bad stopping place for us this evening. Yeah. I'm gonna guess that that is no final thoughts from everyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, I cannot think. <laughs> Neither. Can In the words of Freddie Youngberg. No, no. <laughs> so yeah, we want to say In thank the you. Words of Fred Pratt. Palace beat Burnley. Crystal Palace. No, nice. no, that's literally not the quote. It's Crystal Palace lost to Burnley. <laughs> but um, anyway, my own father. <laughs> it's always a misery compiler. Well, listen, I'll be rooting for Palace tomorrow against United. I think we all will. To be fair, um, I hope you are. <laughs> yeah, I know I am. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, we want to say thank you. <laughs> to everyone um i don't know why it was so different i'm getting choked up here um <laughs> thank you to everyone for watching watching listening this is a shambolic outro um his knees weak <laughs> arms are sweaty i'm getting blasted to the next dimension yeah but uh seriously though uh yeah i mean we love you all and uh <laughs> thanks again to magpie J. Thanks to Magpie J for our great intro and outro music, and uh, yeah, it's a goodbye from us. <laughs>